She is a mother. She's a grandmother. She is a pastor's wife. Well, he's retired, but will always be a pastor's wife. She's a Bible study teacher of more than 30 years. She's a theologian. She's a studier. And she's my mom. I'm really excited for you to hear from my mom today. I feel like I talk about her all the time, but she has done a lot of research over the last couple years about our culture and about changes that are taking place and changes that are not necessarily good that might be making you feel a little bit nuts, might make you feel scared to have conversations. And so we're going to talk today about truth, how you find it and how our culture is really muddying those waters, and that we're actually living in a new era that is called post-truth. And so if that kind of freaks you out, or maybe it makes you feel better because you've been feeling like something is just off in our culture, then this episode is for you. Welcome to The Well Podcast, a safe place to find health and wholeness for your body, mind, and heart. My name is Kari Davis, growing up a pastor's daughter, being widowed at 38 with three little kids, being betrayed by those close to me, and now blending my family with a man that made my heart come back to life. I know that life can change and get derailed, but come to The Well, our online wellness collaborative where you will find restoration through wellness, inner healing, faith, and freedom. In the Bible, the woman at the well went for water But when Jesus showed up with truth and healing, she got living water. So grab your bucket, a cup will not do, and join me at the well. It's time to refill, reset, and restore. Welcome back. You are in for an amazing treat today. You have heard about this woman many, many times on the Well Podcast, <laughs> if you are, if you've listened a little bit. And she's also the number one fan of this podcast. I think the majority of the downloads are, are, <laughs> are from our guest today. So I have my mom on and we could be talking about so many things. She is how I know about parenting and the Bible and... <laughs> pretty much everything that I know, but we are going to go really deep today and we're going to have a deep conversation because she is also one of the most intelligent people that I know and has done so much research in the topic of exploring truth, what the culture says, all of the mixed messaging that we get, and we cannot be refilled, reset, or be restored if we are taking in a bunch of crap from our culture. And so her name is Carla Thurmer. I call her mom. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Kari. I'm very happy to be here. And yes, I listen to every single one. <laughs> I'm glad that my, that my downloads are probably doubled because of you. <laughs> no, but it is good because you also keep me on track. When I was a little girl, when I had to do English papers, I, or study English, I would just always say, what would my mom say? And I always liked you to edit it. So I do like you listening to the podcast because you keep me focused on the truth. I know that is something that you are super passionate about. And then I I also know that if I get off track, you'll be like, what did you just say? Well, actually, I've been meaning to tell you that you say really, really a lot. (laughs) I really, really like the word really. (laughs) There, that's my edit for this week. 
Okay. I purposely don't listen to the podcast. That way I don't have to to listen to myself. So how did you get interested in this topic? Exploring truth in a culture of confusion. Well, it's interesting that you started out, you know, mentioning English in school, because that's really where it all started. I've always loved words and the definitions of words, even in high school, whether it was English class or American literature, I just, I loved writing, um, writing stories, telling stories, you know, whether it's with the grandchildren or, you know, it's uh, the world of words because it is the way we communicate as human beings. And so if we don't know the meaning of words and we misuse meanings, then uh, we're in for a a world of hurt because people are misunderstood, wars start, and it's just important to really know what we are saying when we say it. And so that's truth. What does a word mean? And that's kind of where it all started. And then just watching, of course, raising you and your two brothers and now having nine grandchildren and just watching how the world has changed and how literally the meaning of words are changing. Yeah, it's probably one of the most frustrating things right now, even for building relationships, is that we all define words differently. Even self-care, as much as I talk about it, self-care is completely misunderstood as far as how I define it. It is very, very different. It's very faith-led. It's very self-introspective. And and it's grounding yourself in the truth of who God says you are and how your body works and what you need. You know, it's just, to me, it is such a powerful word, but it's totally flippant to the majority of our culture. Yes, and as you just said, truth starts with God. All truth is God's truth. God is truth. That's one of the descriptions. He, the very essence of of him um, and how he relates to us is truth. And, you know, just for example, you know, the Bible used to be the number one textbook used in all of America from uh, colonial times. And we took the Bible out of the classroom in 1963. And so it's only taken 60 years for us to not know the difference between a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. Truth, just basic truth. Right. Well, and what is super heartbreaking is that you feel that you can't say anything anymore. And so the consequence of that is going to be, if you can't have real conversations, if you, can't, if you have to always self-edit, then you don't have strong relationships. It's going to be a breakdown of every single relationship possible. So I don't want to get you off a track, but how can we Is there a way to speak truth and not be offensive? I think what we have to do first is recognize what's happening. So we live in a world, we talk to people, we turn on the news. And actually, um, I just, uh, I was curious, like how much comes at us every single day that our brains process? And so I looked it up and it's actually 34 gigabytes of information every day, and I have no idea what a gigabyte is, but it boils down to more than 100,000 words a day. 
100,000 words a day that we are all processing in one way or another. And some of those, a lot of those are negative. A lot of those are worrisome, especially if you listen to news and what's happening in, in our country and in the world. And so a lot of times these words just go by us and we think we know what it means and we don't. And so the first thing is to recognize what's happening. And so that's kind of what started me on this whole journey. A couple of years ago, I was riding in my car, listening to, I don't know, some lecture. And the guy was talking about, um, we all have heard of postmodern era, and I'll define that in a minute if, if some don't know. So we've moved on from the postmodern era to the post-truth era. And I wish I'd had a rewind on my, my radio because I would have asked him to say that again because I couldn't believe my ears. Post truth. We all know that pre is before and post is after, after truth. So now we've moved on from truth. And that is exactly what's happened. So to backtrack just a little, the postmodern era um, was from about the middle of the, of the 1950s to the beginning of the 2000s. And that was a moving away from cultural norms, things that for centuries before had been accepted. So the postmodern era could be um, kind of described as skepticism toward absolutes. And it's kind of funny because it started in art, which a lot of cultural shifts do. And so you could kind of think about it as giving Johnny a coloring page and thinking you don't have to stay within the lines. So you used to color a lot, you like to color, and you probably stayed within the lines after a certain age. Okay, so the, that is the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. So then the postmodern world said, you don't have to stay within the lines. It's however you feel it should be. And, and of course, in art, that's, that's good. And that's important in many ways. And that's a silly little example. Uh, but culture became not staying within the lines. So um, you remember hearing the phrase, if it's true for you, it's true for you. And if it's not true for me, it's not true for me. There's no standard of gold. There's no gold standard of truth. Well, I thought you were going to say that's in the post-truth, but that was even before. Right. So that was in postmodern because that right. has been that that was really difficult even for me as a young mom because people would say, well, I just let my kids decide what they should eat. Right. Or, <laughs> or my kids, you know, if they don't want to go to bed, if they tell me, and I was just raised by you and going, no, you tell your kid what they're going to eat and you tell your kid what they're going to wear. I remember the first fight I ever had with your daughter, Callie, because I was babysitting and it was time to go to bed. And I said, okay, Callie, let's get our pajamas on. And she said, no, I don't want to wear pajamas to bed. She wanted to stay in her school uniform. And we had a knockdown drag out fight because I thought you put pajamas on when you go to bed. She won, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So uh, the postmodern was a questioning of everything. And what's true for you is true for you. And so... Um, that word post-truth, as I've learned about it now, and I've listened to many, many people and read about it. So what's scary about post-truth is now we'll say, okay, that might be true, but I don't care. 
if it opposes my personal agenda. I'm going to pretend it isn't true. I'm going to just ignore that it's true. So that's even scarier because now we're really out in la la land and, and post-truth comes in two forms, soft truth, hard, soft mode and hard mode. So soft mode uh, post-truth is, okay, this, this is objectively true, but I'm going to just ignore it and proceed with my agenda. Hard mode is, this is objectively true, I'm not only going to ignore it, but I'm going to lie to continue with my agenda. And sadly, where you see this the most, and you know, not to get political because they all do it, you see it in politics. Yes, there's an elephant in, in the room and I'm gonna pretend it isn't, or I'm gonna tell you that it's a bird. And they just go on talking as if they didn't just lie. <laughs> And so that's, that's really difficult because we see it a lot. Sadly, we see it in business um, to put forth personal agendas. And then the further we get from the truth, when you can't reason, and you touched on this, why, does, why do people have to argue about it? Why does it have to get nasty? Well, when you leave logic behind, you're jumping to emotion. I was having a political discussion with someone who feels differently about something than I do. And I said, why does it have to be emotional? Can't we just talk about the issues? And this person said, well, it just is. Mm -hmm. And, and, if, you, and if, if the other person is offended, then that's the end of the conversation. Right, no well, and this really is, especially with my teenagers, this really is something that they are confronted with every single day. And it's, it's getting younger and younger. But I remember even, remember when we were in school and you had to write sources for papers and it had to be fact-checked. And, and then I remember when Wikipedia was really popular, but you could edit Wikipedia. So you, right. could change, you could change historical. If we don't have truth, I just don't, it makes me feel really insecure. And it also makes me feel really worried for our kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you've got people who can edit it all around the world, what are you going to end up with? What product? Yeah. And then uh, defining words. So I have a, a Facebook group called Exploring Truth with Carla Thurmer. And the first thing I do almost every time is I literally give definitions. We literally do vocabulary words. Uh, for example, I'm making the claim that we are in a cultural fog of confusion. Well, what does the word confusion mean? You know, if you ask someone, if you're confused, what does that mean? And you'd get a lot of different answers. Okay, so it means disorder, upheaval, lack of clarity, chaos. Um, so if our children are growing up in that kind of culture, we as parents and grandparents have to help them have such a strong anchor in truth that when all of these ideas come at them, they will be able to compare what they are hearing with the truth. It's like, I hope this is true because I use it as an example. Um, people who try to distinguish whether money is counterfeit or not, they don't study the counterfeit, they study the real thing. And they know the real thing so well that when the counterfeit comes along, they're able to go, oh, that's fake. Mm -hmm. And you know, you have a son, my oldest grandson, Aiden, is going off to college, 
And that's what I hope and pray for him. And I believe that he knows the truth. And so when all of this fake comes at him, and sadly, some, uh, some colleges and universities literally try to change a young person with untruth. So yeah, I'm not worried about Aiden. I'm not worried about him. <laughs> well, maybe getting in fights because he's very opinionated. But I'm not worried about him in particular, but I am really sad for him building relationships because I feel that the post-truth has led to just chaos. Yeah. And you true. can't talk about anything and you're offended about everything. Yeah. And disorder, upheaval, lack of clarity, chaos, uncertainty. Uh, and then it can go into, you know, your mental health, which you talk a lot about. Uh, some days, you know, if you've got the news on maybe a little too much, or maybe you've just had a fight with a friend or a relative, you know, and you just think it's heavy, it's heavy. It, and, you know, if you're driving in fog, it's exhausting. And so sometimes living in fog can be exhausting. And that's why it's so important to concentrate on the real dollar bill, on what is true. And then that will lift you up and encourage you. And we can encourage each other. Um, you know, the scripture says we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. And there's a lot to talk about that in our personal lives too, about how we need, we need to concentrate on the truth. When I took your class or your training session, the thing that I remembered about it the most is your truth table. Mm -hmm. I know you've explained it before, but you can explain it better than me, your truth table. Well, and I'm going to have you on again, and we're going to talk more about how some of this relates on a more personal level. We're, we're talking bigger culturally today, but certain messaging comes to us either from our childhood or from what someone else says to us. And you call it a guiding fiction. It then guides the way that you see yourself. It guides your actions. It guides everything. So if those comments or thoughts were put on a truth table, they have to be backed up with absolute truth. And they can't just have one truth and three lies. It has to be truthful, but it's hard to know how to find those truths sometimes, especially when they're not in your worldview at all, and you haven't been trained properly. And the truth falls over if it's only on two or three legs. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens in our lives. So I really, I really love that analogy that you use. So if you think that I'm 67 years old, and if I think back over my upbringing and how I raised you guys and what your children are going through now, there have been just so many changes. Um, and I grew up in the Midwest in a small town. Um, and it was, you know, we had a lot of freedom. We could walk all over town. It was a wonderful way to grow up in many ways. And the, but the things that I, I noticed the most that have changed are things just like um, basic respect for authority. You know, whether your teachers were great or not, you respected them and you did what they asked you to do. I mean, of course, there's always been kids who step out of the, the line or out of the norm. Um, in sports, we didn't yell at the referee. We assumed that they, they were the referee for a reason and we would respect their decisions. Not that, you know, they never made a mistake, but you didn't hear parents yelling from the side court at a basketball game at the refs. 
Um, if your child was disciplined, you probably immediately assumed that the teacher had a point, not that you wouldn't defend your child if you needed to, but you wouldn't go in ready to, you know, yell at the principal or the teacher. Uh, clergy, uh, the church, you had a basic respect for local pastors, and you kind of believed that the church was a safe uh, place where you could go and be accepted and loved. And so, I mean, I'm not saying I don't want to be so doom and gloom. I'm not saying that all of that has changed, but a lot of it is at least questioned. Mm -hmm. um, I was just talking to your brother, Josh, you know, and he was talking about um, when you uh, win and whether, you know, he has friends whose kids are in baseball and he, he coached um, his son Jet's uh, soccer team this year and they came in first place, but everybody got the same trophy. You know, it's yeah. like truth. Well, who won the championship? Yeah. Did you all win the championship? So I remember taking Aiden to Bob Evans one night after he had this three foot trophy sitting on the table and the server came up and said, wow, buddy, like, what did you do? And he goes, I played soccer. It was like a three foot trophy for a participation award. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It is so true. Um, so yes, cultural shifts come and go, and sometimes they're cyclical, you know, and sometimes things swing back the other way, which honestly, we are getting so far off center, it, things have to swing back pretty soon. I don't know where we're going to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and it's just, it's really scary because you feel like you can say something to your child in the privacy of your home that then you have to tell them that they can't say that outside of the home. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had to coach them through. Um, my daughter is a 16 year old blonde Caucasian female. She's been called a white, not, not, I'm sorry. She's been said that she's white privileged so many times that she was really struggling and questioning herself and what, and, I, and, and then you don't want to say you're not privileged. You are privileged. It, it's just like walking through a minefield. And so I coach my kids to just stay out of the mine. Mm -hmm. And, but then I want them to be able to have conversations and it's just really, really getting tricky as a parent. And that's, that's interesting too, that even at that age. And so we want our children to listen to people, allow people to speak into their lives who have passport with them. And I know you've talked about passport. You know, if you're gonna travel from one country to another, you need a passport allowing you to be there. So when you're those people who ever talk to Cali or, you know, whatever situation we might be talking about, do they have passport with us? Do they have the right to not only speak into my life, life but for me to internalize it? Okay, so there are some people, frankly, I don't care what you think. And I think that's okay, not, not to be rude or anything, but to be careful about who and what we allow to take into ourselves. And that's, again, going back to your self-care, that's a big, big part of self-care. Well, yeah, it absolutely is because being raised in your house where it was really safe and God's truth was what was taught and, you know, you had been raised in a very dysfunctional home. And so 
we had to apologize. We had to, we had a healthy balance of love and discipline and it really was really balanced. So I didn't know how bad people could be to you. <laughs> I didn't know that you needed to have boundaries with people on the outside. And I would let a lot of people speak into my life, let a lot of people ask for things. And it's a really hard lesson to learn, but I think that it's the most important thing for. I'm sorry. We should have been meaner to you. Yes, you really should have. <laughs> Prepared I fault you for being codependent. <laughs> Well, getting back to a larger, um, when uh, being logical breaks down, when truth breaks down, when uh, just respectful conversation breaks down, we go back to being animals in the wild. And who wins in the wild? The strongest, the biggest. And that is true in cultures. Okay, when that's why wars break out and who wins the strongest, the meanest, the one who's willing to play dirty. And that's what happens in culture on every level. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that it's hopeless. I think that there's a media that's a really big, strong giant that is winning in so many ways. But then there's always something underground you know, there's always an underground movement that maybe we don't have all of the platforms, but even in, even in podcasts, you know, you can find people, these pockets of truth tellers that love God. The culture will tell you that Christianity is basically, <laughs> is basically going to be obsolete soon. And that, you know, there's nobody wants to go to church and no one wants to believe in God anymore. And I, I just think it's hilarious that they say that. Um, yeah, you know, and that's been cyclical too, where God is dead. You know, those, yeah. those are philosophies, yeah, yeah over centuries. I, and there, and you meant, you've touched now on bias, okay? So our media is biased in either direction. I don't care which, which side of the aisle you're on. So bias is a tendency to regard something or someone with a preconceived notion before they even open their mouth. If, if I say I'm a liberal, uh, whoever I'm talking to immediately has something in, oh, that's what you are. Oh, that's what you believe. Mm -hmm. And then you start to form an opinion about this person before they've opened their mouths. And of course you can have positive bias too. You can, um, you know, if it's someone you respect, um, you know, if you're gonna have your pastor over for dinner, you maybe think that it's gonna be a nice, evening, quiet, you know, whatever, whatever your bias is, positive or negative. And so we can't do that to each other in, in communication, even though it's natural and we automatically do it. We size people up before they say a word. We look at their physical appearance and we make a judgment. We have a bias before they say anything about who they are or how they dress or where they came from. And, and then when they talk, what is their accent? And um, so we really have to learn to listen to one another. And that's what I, I put out quite often on my, on my Facebook group is uh, to just be willing to be quiet. And you might think, I disagree with everything this person believes, but to be quiet and to be respectful enough, earn your passport by listening. 
and you might just learn something. You might still be absolutely opposed to everything they say, but um, you'll, you'll have learned something. And this is a whole other area, but uh, part of what I do is apologetics. I teach a couple of Bible studies every week. And apologetics is the, the branch of theology that has to do with being able to explain and defend your faith, whether you're a Christian or not, any faith, any belief system. Apologetics is to be able to explain what you believe. And um, that's a big part of being willing to listen to the other person because we're all on a difficult journey in this life. We all are vulnerable and in apologetics, we say you can win the argument, but if you've lost the person, you failed. So to mm -hmm. we're not we're not discussing an idea, we're discussing with a human being that we hope to, uh, you know, just learn from and just have a you know help each other with something that maybe we're struggling with or something we don't understand. Uh, that's why teaching is so much fun. Um, because you see people's eyes open to things and, and it's, it's really exciting. And you started out being a teacher and you're still a teacher. So I know you feel the same way. Yeah, I definitely do. So it seems a little, it seems a little overwhelming. So what are just a couple, <laughs> a couple simple tips? I'm, I'm kind of thinking, oh my gosh, now I need to know my Bible better so I can defend my faith. I need to understand just enough of topics to be empathetic. Um, oh, I know. If you just have like a couple simple tips for what to do or what to avoid. Yeah. Define words. When someone says something to you, mm -hmm. ask them, now, what exactly do you mean by that? Because to mm -hmm. me, that word means this. Is that what that word means to you? Um, also with statements, whether they be political or religious. Um, okay, now tell me why, why that bothers you. So often, especially as Christians, you know, people come at us and we take it as an attack. And sometimes it does feel like an attack. And that's of course in the political world as well. But maybe um, to just take a breath. Um, what I tell people in, in apologetics is if someone comes at you with a criticism or an accusation about your faith, the onus is on them to prove their case. And I tell my Bible study ladies, ladies we don't have to attend every argument we're invited to. Mm -hmm. We don't have to get emotional. We shouldn't. We should be rational human beings. And so if someone is coming at you with a harsh criticism, instead of thinking, oh, my gosh, how can I defend myself? It's up to them. The burden of proof, just like in a courtroom, is on them to prove why they're coming with this accusation or attack. And then you can look for loopholes and weak spots in their logic. Yeah. Um, I've been married to a very logical man for 46 years <laughs> and, um, you know, he'll, he can just diffuse someone with logic. And of course he, he does it very gently. And I've watched him over the years do that and learned from him. And, um, and I've really tried in recent years to, um, I'm rather opinionated or so my daughter tells me at times to just take a breath and listen before responding and to make a concerted effort to be softer. A soft word turns away wrath, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and it's true in many cases. You don't have to argue. You don't have to go to the fight just because you were invited. So define words, define 
what people are saying, ask people to clarify, and then listen to news from a station or a channel that you disagree with. That you oh. apps, I have one that I turn on every once in a while. And I try really hard to really listen to what they're saying. Um, and because if you're going to discuss with people, and this is true too in, in, the, in the spiritual uh, religious world, you have to understand what the other person thinks and believes to be able to communicate with them. And so listen to stuff you don't agree with. Read books that you don't agree with. Uh, once you're strong enough in your faith, read uh, theology that you don't agree with and it will sharpen your own belief system and your own um, thinking on, on just about any subject. That always makes me nervous though because you don't know like you had said study the real dollar bill so that you could recognize the counterfeit so when do you know that you're ready to start <laughs> to start putting <laughs> other things in your brain? <laughs> How do you know if you're strong enough? Oh you know that's a good question. And pray about it and um, practice. Uh, we, I just did a short uh, four-week thing on apologetics with my Bible, my women's Bible study group. And uh, this one, one, a good friend of mine said, you're not going to make us role play, are you? <laughs> she would be really nervous to role play, but it's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, I think in the post-truth culture, what I'm seeing is is that we just don't care that much anymore. We're so afraid to be in a fight that we're backing out of everything. And so, and, and I've even done it on this podcast. I've kind of wanted to talk about certain things and then I just get scared. I'm scared of the backlash. I'm scared of sometimes, I didn't put my faith in the podcast at the beginning. I did, I had said little things, but yes. I was scared. I was, I was just worried about, what? And you are now putting faith things more into your podcast and you do it gently and you do it beautifully. And, you know, we're not here to hit anybody over the head or um, it's just, it's, it's a major part of who you, in fact, it is who you are and it is who I am. And so we can't separate ourselves from our faith. I'm reading a book about that right now, about how, um, called total truth and it's talking uh, exactly about how christians often compartmentalize their lives my my faith is what i do on sunday morning and when i show up at the office on monday morning it is out of my life and that doesn't work because it is it is absolutely who we are as believers Mm -hmm. And then that also, that's a whole nother topic we could get into with politics, how you're, you're told to leave your religion at the door and nothing could be less possible. It's impossible because then you'd have to leave your ethics and your morals at the door. And we mm -hmm. can't do that. It's impossible. Right. Exactly. Well, and I think, be, so because I think we're afraid to get in relationships or we're always having to self-edit to make sure that we don't offend anyone, we're feeling lonely. Yeah. And we're feeling like we don't have those substance of relationships mm -hmm. because at the very core, we want to be known and loved. Mm -hmm. And so if we can't be who we are, and if we can't even wrestle with some of these topics, now I do think we need to learn better communication. <laughs> you know, I think that there are ways of having it. It is not on a Facebook 
thread. I don't care what it is. That is not the place to have the conversation. Um, but I could teach about essential oils all day long, but unless, unless you're talking about holistic Christ-centered self-care, you're never going to be healthier. Right. And, and that is just, that is what the truth is. It's not as deep as, as you study, it's not at all, but that is just my goal is for women to know that really what God says about them and what they say about God is the most important thing about them. And I stole that from you also. I actually steal most of my content from you. So I like that you're still using, I like that you're still using leaners and lifters that, that makes me (laughs) smile when I hear you talk about that. we cannot and of course I didn't think that up I mean everything comes from somebody but you're absolutely right we cannot divide our body from our brain from our spirit from our heart from our mind we can't we are holistic human beings made in the image of God Mm -hmm. absolutely so are we railing against this post-truth culture are we should the message be to said to find words and also listen to the other side mm-hmm. but are we gonna fight do we come really fight in a loving of course soft way or how much do we dig our heels in about truth or and how much do we let them kind of create their own chaos that is bound to come back to the truth well we can't affect the whole culture i mean there is a wave and it comes and goes and it changes you know um but I, I think we do what you're doing and what I'm doing. I think we find a niche where we have an audience. I mean, that's one amazing thing about social networks these days is how anybody can put their ideas out there. And so, you know, our own sphere of influence, be it small, be it a small group of friends or a Bible study or a family or a, a book club or being on, you know, a podcast, whatever, wherever your audience is to speak truth. Um, and I loved, you know, my, um, my Facebook group is only for women. Um, I'm, it's not that I don't like engaging men. I love men. Uh, I just, I want to talk to women because I think that we are influencers in a way that we don't know. Sometimes we think, well, of course, we're influencers in our family and whatever our profession is, but it's so much bigger than that. And so to encourage women to be able to, uh, to speak truth in a culture of confusion. I mean, that, that's, my, that's my purpose. And I know you're doing it. And I know we do it in our families. Um, we do it in our, in our workplaces and in our professions. And we can't do it all, but we can do something. Yeah. And so just get that little drip out. If you're a social media poster, just get, you know, I call them affirming truths because in the coaching industry that I'm in, it's all about affirmations. Mm -hmm. And a lot of affirmations are based on new age principles that are very like manifest what you want to happen and it will happen. And now there's a little bit that can maybe be aligned in truth with that, but it goes way too far for what I'm comfortable with. And so I want all of those truths. I tell women to speak those truths to themselves. It will change the way that their brain is wired 
Um, you're, you're good at defining that as you go along. You will often say, now, most people think of it this way, or your girlfriends are probably going to tell you that it means, you know, taking a bubble bath or, you know, being selfish when people say, you know, I need me time. There's nothing wrong with me time, but you define the difference between a healthy me time and perhaps not a healthy me time, for example. Mm -hmm. Well, and you do, I mean, there are some things that are truth for you. I mean, how you recharge is your truth, I guess you could say, (laughs) but there's certain things, especially when it relates to the human condition and to God, that the Bible is the only absolute truth. And yes, it can be also misrepresented and and misquoted, misquoted. (laughs) Yeah. But but that's why you can never go wrong with sprinkling a little truth out there if it's a Bible verse. But you know what you even have to do is you even have to be careful. I I always search on Pinterest when I'm studying the Bible. I always search on Pinterest for an image. Uh And sometimes they'll rewrite it just a little bit. Have you ever noticed that in the quotes? You even have to be careful with that, that it's actually saying what the scripture says instead of that little twist that makes it more about the person than God. Yeah. And we can talk more about that maybe next time. Uh, This is my truth. So again, define the word. Truth means adhering to reality. Either it's, well, I can't use the word to define the word. Either it's true or it isn't. Either it, it, is, it, it is reality or not. And um, of course, we can get real deep into gender and everything else. What is, mm-hmm. what adheres to reality and what doesn't. Absolutely. Well, thank you. This was It's a very, very big topic. So yes, you're going to be coming back on more often. Um, I've just added you to the Wells website because it's such a great resource. I want to be able to send people to your group. So again, it's Exploring Truth with Carla Thurmer on Facebook, and I will link it in the show notes. But it might be something like, oh, this is maybe a little bit deeper than I think, or I don't really know, or I don't really want to be overwhelmed, right? But but, but stretch yourself, make yourself think about some of these things. And you're a thinker, you're smart, you can always learn something and your brain can change. Yeah. <laughs> I tell the ladies at Bible study, I say, you are theologians, every single one of you, because you have a concept of God. You believe something about God. And so be very clear on what you believe, because it's important. hmm So thank you so much for being on. I love you. Well, I'm so proud of you. I always have been. I always will be. Love you so much. Love you. Thanks for letting me steal all your content. (laughs) I take stuff from you now too, you know. Oh, good. The four-legged table. Oh, good. I stole that from Sandra. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Sandra. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. I hope that you are feeling refilled after being at the Well podcast. Please take a second and fill out a review. This is the only way that we know if you're enjoying the podcast and what you're enjoying about it. Also subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And we would love to have you in our Facebook community group. The link is in each episode. We are better together at the Well.